Support for annual comes from Mail Gibbon. From Mail Gibbon. Mail Gibbon? More than 7 million businesses around the world. Using Mail Gibbon. To send emails, newsletters, and to deliver high fives. Mail Gibbon. Send better email. Very nice. I use Mail Gibbon. You do? I love it. Previously on Annual. So the first package arrived kind of like any other. The chain of events that followed would see his life threatened by a fictional character who had somehow found his way into the real world. I don't know who this is. Why are they tormenting me now in this way? This is a Red Goblin prepaid call from Norman Osborne. An inmate at Ravencroft Institute for the Criminally Insane. From Amazing Spider Talk on wherever you download podcasts, this is Annual. One story told year by year, sometimes. I'm Erin Janakio. We're at episode three. You probably heard our first two episodes on the Amazing Spider Talk feed or on our website at AmazingSpiderTalk.com. But if you haven't, stop. Go back to the beginning. We are telling this story in order. The story of a Norman Osborne, a threatening mailer who went after Dank Vosden in 2020 and now 2021. It's been over a year since I was first contacted by Dan Gavosden, and I'm still talking to him regularly. I'm still asking him the basics. I'm still thinking, I don't know, that he'll remember something. Or maybe he'll just get so frustrated with me that he'll crack and admit that he's been behind this all along. I still want to know, how can I trust that you aren't Norman yourself? Like, is it you? It's fine if it's you, but, but, like, is it you? Aaron, let me be clear. I am not Norman Osborne. Period. End of story. Why would I torture my wife like this unless I was some kind of a sociopath? And he had a good point. If Dan wanted attention, why would he issue an ultimatum to Norman Osborne about canceling the show? And if he didn't want the kind of attention that this story brought to him, his family, and his friends, why continue it past the point of upsetting his wife? It made no sense. But sometimes people do things that don't make any sense. Six months ago, Dan told me this. I gotta be totally honest with you, Aaron. It, it really annoys me that we don't have an end to our annual series. The producer part of me is really bugged by that. It, I, Dan, it bugs me too. It, this is killing me. I, I honestly went into this thinking that I've read like enough Sherlock Holmes growing up that I would find the clue that would reveal the whole thing to us. And I interviewed people and we looked, I mean, we... we got to the point of freaking Morse code and we still we still couldn't crack this and it's it's driving me crazy because we haven't found the smoking gun we haven't found one thing that actually nails down any one of the suspects 
I think the real answer here is to admit that I was never really in control of this project in the first place. I was always relying on this unknown, mysterious third party to keep it all exciting. But I guess I never really thought that they would just disappear after a simple request that they email me anonymously. And it actually kind of freaks me out more that it's unresolved. Like, the answer is just floating out there somewhere. And floating out there, the answer would have to remain. Dan's family was panicked and worried about the potential danger this Norman Osborne posed. In a world of internet obsessives and micro-celebrities being targeted, the downsides to playing along seemed to greatly outweigh the positives. Without assurances from Norman that this was all a game, we weren't to continue to document our thoughts or play along. And for a while, Norman seemed to agree, at least with the idea of ending the chase. And for eight long months... Norman sent no more mail to Dan, nor did he take up Dan's request for assurances. As for me, I never truly believed that this was over. Sure, I let it slip further back into the reaches of my mind, but my curiosity would be sparked again every time my husband and Dan started up their latest recording sessions. Dan and I would talk, exchange theories and wonder what this was all about. But life has a way of moving on. And move on, I did. We have been told by Capitol Police that the Capitol is in lockdown. They broke the glass? Everybody stay down! down. In the wake of an insurrection at the United States Capitol building, the rollout of COVID-19 vaccines, my restraining order against Gary from the gym, and the adoption of our new dog, Parker. Norman's laugh became like a forgotten memory. (laughs) I took down my charts, cleared my dry erase boards, peeled back the tape, removed the pushpins, and put away the audio recorder. Annual was over. My search for Norman was done. As a detective, I felt pretty useless. Normalcy resumed. Waking up early to have a sip of coffee. Going for a run. Waving to the neighbors. Screw you. Great to see you too. New York City was reopening. On a subway ride to Manhattan, I thought, maybe just Maybe this whole Norman Osborne thing was just some weird fantasy from the era of COVID. Some tortured identity birthed out of boredom and a strange reverence for Dan. Could the J&J vaccine also cure the effects of the goblin serum? The answer, as it turns out, was no. About two weeks ago, I got home after an exhausting day at work. I booted up my computer and there on Dan's Facebook page was a new video. I had a bad feeling right away. There was Dan and his wife, Amy, and they were holding a package in their hands. 
Norman was back. What did we get in the mail today? The mail at work. The mail at work. This. Yeah. A package. We haven't gotten one of these in... No return address. But I just pointed out to my husband, the person behind this camera right now, that this looks suspiciously like his handwriting. And he lost himself in a fit of giggles. Yeah, because it's not its not me, but it does. But it look, totally it does. It looks like my handwriting. It is, I think it is you sent exactly this. my handwriting. And when you shake it, it sounds like a, a puzzle. puzzle. And then there's like some kind of clue here, maybe. Like it's from, what's well, from June, and it says West something at the top. We can't really make out what it says. But I this think totally, it's you. this is identically my handwriting. I think it's you. It is. This is exactly my this handwriting. This is how a left-handed person writes. It's even slanted that direction. Yeah, but I don't do this with my eights. There's a curl on the eight. So it's not even going to our old house. They know we moved. It was sent to their work instead of their new place. What is in here? We think it's a puzzle. What is it, Amy? Be careful with opening this. That's what I guess it was. It's a puzzle. With um, with messages on it. Oh my god. I thought this was over. Dan and Amy then assembled the puzzle to reveal an image from Amazing Spider-Man number 27, featuring a shadowy Norman Osborn holding up the Green Goblin mask triumphantly. All right, Amy, what does it say? He has proven to be my greatest threat, my most dangerous enemy. I'll never rest till I've destroyed him. But I'll lay low for a while... I'll wait until he's convinced that I've given up my crime career till he's virtually forgotten about me. And then when he least expects it, I'll strike. I still think this is you because you're just ready to do something interesting with your life post-COVID. No, it's not me. It's, I promise you, it's not me. Although they've gone to great lengths to make you think that it's me, which is fascinating and exciting. (laughs) Bravo, sir. There's Bravo. also a message on the back that we're going to that we noticed. So we're going to tape this and flip it over and see what we find. All right. Well, let's see what we find. Amy then carefully flipped the puzzle over, revealing a message on the back side. Here's what it says. It says, if you don't know my name yet, you're probably through. I gave it to you before, but the time for that is long overdue. But your name, Daniel, I still know. And trust me, I'm very excited for the final show. Your skills as a detective have proven quite weak. Guess you'll just have to wait till you and I can speak. What kind of clues do we think are hidden inside of this message? Well, I think this person is really annoying. (laughs) And needed to stop a long time ago. Um, No, but in all seriousness... um, I mean, if I was just speculating, I would imagine it would be somebody on your podcast, a guest on your podcast, like maybe somebody you've had as a guest before. I mean, it kind of makes me feel like it's Mark, but... It does seem like it's Mark, but I don't think it's Mark. I don't think he has the bandwidth to... I don't think so either. Um, It is funny that this came right when we're doing our 300th episode. Yeah. And I've long speculated, like, hey, that would be a really cool time for Norman to, like, out himself. But there's no avenue for that uh, at this point. No. Um, Unless it's, like, Rick. Because I'm inviting Rick on the show. And Rick is very creative. But 
But we've never suspected Rick. We've never suspected Rick. Um, maybe we, we should have. This just doesn't really seem like a Rick kind of thing. I don't know. I'm still thrown off by the hand. I shouldn't at this point be thrown off by the handwriting on envelopes, but seriously. Well, what do you think about this handwriting? It looks different than what you see on the envelope. But it still kind of looks like my chubby capital letters, if I'm being totally honest. But it's not exactly right. Did you do this, Dan? No, I promise you I didn't. I'm just m marveling still that this looks so much like my handwriting. It's really creepy. Also, wherever this person is, West something. Do we know anybody who lives in West? Also, I just think it's weird. Like, do they work in a post office? Like, no post office would would send this through the mail looking like this. I don't. I don't know. I just know there's a lot of, a lot of questions and very little answers. I'm guessing that there's a clue in this letter. I was looking at the thing and the spacing is weird, but you made a good point that um, this person is writing on, uh, the on the back of a puzzle. But at the same time, there's still weird spacing, like gave it and you before are like one word. So there's, some, there's something weird here. Um, but the Im biggest implication is that we're going to speak. Um, and I, I don't know what that means. It's creepy as hell. Um, but it's just, it makes it sound like it's someone in my life that I talk to on the regular, I guess. Yeah, I don't know. All I know is that I don't like it. Could it be Tristan? He's been gone for a long time. But this, sto this stopped way before then. Yeah, I don't know. This was definitely the same Norman that we'd been chasing for over a year. But why the sudden return after months away? And what did it mean that he and Dan would speak? There wasn't much time to speculate about what it all meant. I got a text from Dan less than a week later that told me to check my email. He had sent me an audio message that he wanted me to play on this show. I was confused. At the time, we had decided that the annual podcast was over. We had asked Norman to email Dan anonymously to assure him this was all in good fun and not actually something dangerous, and he refused to do so. So we decided to end the show. Why would Dan want me to record another episode of Annual and play his message? There was only one way to find out. I had to listen. It's saved on my phone. Okay, here we go. All right. Ah, okay. Here goes nothing. You have a voicemail. Hey, Aaron. It's me. Oh, God. Gary Jesus, from, no. from the gym. I know I, the court said I shouldn't be calling you like this, but and don't worry, I'm not going to ask for us to have sex on a park bench or for an x-ray picture of your boobs or, or anything. And I just wanted to thank you. I really took it to heart when you told me that I was the worst part of your life and everything, so I started 
volunteering with an after-school group for Down syndrome kids that just wanted to play baseball. And um, we went to states. Yeah, we lost, but we did really well. And, and then I started following the teachings of Buddha and started getting into yoga and I started giving half my income to the a few different charities around and it's made me realize you made me grow up Aaron also do you think your butt's the same size as a salad bowl oh god no 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 I'm just asking for scientific purposes all right talk to you later in case you want to make out that's cool bye Oh my god, I'm so sorry. I'm so I don't understand how this keeps happening. I am deeply embarrassed. No one should have to listen to that. That was awful. <clears throat> okay. Here is the message from Dan. Hello, Aaron. It's Dan Gavazdan here. I'm sure you have a lot of questions about why I sent you an audio message and didn't just call you to discuss what I'm about to tell you. But you see, I just don't trust anyone anymore, and I need to be sure that the information that I communicate to you doesn't get out before I want it to. You see, Aaron, I figured out who Norman Osborne is. That's right. I know with 100% certainty who it is. And if you're listening to this, you too will soon learn who he is as well. In fact, he even appeared on one of our annual episodes, So if you want to make your final guess, I would encourage you to do so now. But the real reason I couldn't call you, Aaron, and tell you about Norman, is that I'm currently on my way to see Norman, in person. I hit publish on this episode mere moments before confronting him in real life, revealing that the game is over. As we speak, I'm currently pulling up outside his home after driving for days, guardian of the information that I hope will spell his doom. How that surprise ultimately goes, I'm going to have to save for a later date, because I just don't know right now, but I couldn't risk this information getting to any of the people working with him to pull off this scheme. I just don't know how wide Norman's net is. So consider this voice message the equivalent of me dropping off a sealed envelope to the district attorney's office with all the details of how I solved the crime. So let's break open the seal. After a year of speculating, I'm sure you want to know who Norman Osborne is, and I promise to deliver. But first, there are a few additional details you'll need to know. The first key detail happened a little over a week ago, when I got a phone call from my wife, Amy Gavazdan. So Dan had gone to hang out with some friends, um, and I was alone, just hanging out with the cats, watching some Killing Eve and catching up on Handmaid's Tale, and it was about mid-afternoon, And I needed a break from watching some very serious TV. So I decided to just glance through my email for the first time that day um, and noticed in my inbox uh, down below some ads for things, an email from Dan Gvozdin, which when you're married to somebody, it's very rare that you get an email from the person you're married to. (laughs) So I opened it up. And uh, Google alerted me that it appeared that this email address was not one that I had received a message from before um, and that it seemed kind of questionable. Um, And the message read, Amy, husband here, Dan that is, 
too embarrassed to say this to your face, but I'm Norman. Come find me. I'm probably hiding my face under one of our feline children. Don't divorce me, Dan. My initial gut reaction to this was a mixture of disgust, frustration, and a little bit of fear, um, to be honest, because this is the first time Norman had ever reached out directly to me via email or in any other method other than to send questionable messages through the mail. And so uh it was it was not a good feeling and so i immediately started kind of poking around in the message and i figured out that the email address it had come from was not from dan's email address but from an email address very close to his um it was one letter off um and so i immediately knew that this was not legit and i frantically started texting and calling dan who was immersed in video game play with his friends and didn't respond to me very quickly so um, i'm sitting there with these like big feelings and this kind of nervous energy and he eventually calls me back and i explain all of this to him and it it's weird how violated i felt after getting this message like Obviously, it's not from my husband, but it's made to appear like it is. And also, it's like weirdly personal in a way, like don't divorce me and, you know, come find me and I wouldn't say this to your face. Like, it's just weird for somebody to pretend to be your spouse (laughs) when they're very clearly not. Um, And so that was kind of how I was feeling when I gave Dan that phone call. I was really shocked to receive like this phone call from Amy, you know, because up up until this point, I had been really kind of, um, you know, like hedging my experience with this, like thinking, well, this is all good natured and you're not really something to worry about because it seemed to be from some like a, a fan or a friend that I just couldn't identify. And, you know, as much as it creeped Amy out the whole time, I don't feel like it had like crossed like that hard of a line. Um, although it had been increasingly getting more personal. And this, to me, really crossed the line. Um, Not only was it getting involved in my kind of personal life in a more immediate way, but it also was going after Amy specifically, which really bugged me because I had specifically asked for Norman to email me uh, anonymously so that I could calm down Amy and make everything seem, you know, less serious than, you know, she had been imagining it to be. And to me, this felt like, oh, Amy's worries are confirmed. This person is going after her, specifically ignoring my request and had the ability to email us anonymously because they were doing it here, just not according to my plan. And I felt like if they couldn't play by my rules, even in the most simple of way, I can't play only by their rules. And this had to end. I couldn't sleep that night. Not for fear of any trouble with my relationship with Amy, but because I just couldn't stand thinking that what started as a bit of fun was now turning into something so ugly. I thought, if I could solve the mystery, I could potentially turn this whole thing around and make it fun again and rest peacefully knowing that there wasn't some freak out there trying to sabotage my marriage with my loving wife. So, I stayed up all night, ran through all the clues, and came up with a theory. 
But, you know, theories aren't worth anything without facts to support them. So I had to do something. So that something was to reach out to my good friend and former Norman Osborn suspect, Andy Myers. You might remember him from annual episode two. My name is Andy Myers. I am Dan's friend. I think we've been friends for about eight years now. And we are also co-writers of a comic book that we've been working on for several years together as well. That does not exist yet. I should say that. Well, you know, normally I'm contacting Andy about working on our graphic novel together, but this time I had something very different in mind. Normally, I'm contacting Andy about working on our graphic novel together, but this time I had something very different in mind. What I wanted to know from Andy was, is there going to be a way for us to use the email that we got and track it back to whoever the um, owner of that email was. And I want to be clear. When I asked Norman to contact me um, via email, that was never my goal. I think if he had followed my rules, I would not have used the IP address to track him down. I wanted to catch this guy fair and square. But because he wouldn't play by my rules, I'm going to play by his rules and do this dirty. So I was like, all right, Andy, let's see, can we track an IP address from this Gmail. So Andy, answer that question for me as you did the other day. Can we actually do that? Well, um, generally an email address uh, in its headers has a series of email addresses that go back to the original email address from which that email was received by the server. So in a lot of cases, Yes, you can track the email address, and that gives you information about the location where the computer was located. Uh, so my thought was, hey, if we can find out where the city is that this person lives, uh, we can narrow down the suspects a lot. Yeah, and let's be clear, though. We don't really know for a fact, one, this could be like one of, as we assumed that Norman has henchmen. This could be a henchman sending this email. It could be someone completely unrelated to Norman. Because, like, I had brought Norman back up on the 300th episode of the show, and maybe there was a copycat out there. So, you know, this had many potentials to not get us in the right direction uh, for this. So, um, you know, we, we used Gmail to open up the coding and find the IP address. And what was the end-up result of that? Well, we did a lot of, like, cool hackery-looking stuff, but it was all Google servers all the way down. Um, so... This person had just used a web browser, Gmail, and Google had not tracked their IP address in the headers. So that's a bust. Which is kind of refreshing just in general that IP, IP addresses are not being stored by Google in some instances. So we can all rest a little more assured that not all of our stuff is being tracked. That's a whole other point. But we did not, we were not successful. But then, Andy, you stumbled upon another idea that actually really bore fruit for us. So the idea was clearly this this other email address is being dangled in front of us, right? Maybe this is an account where we can try to log in and uh, there's a password that he has left us as a clue or it's just like Norman Osborne or I am Norman. So I go to Google uh, or I go to Gmail, sign out of my accounts, and 
try to sign in as danaskvosden at gmail.com. And we tried a variety of permutations of Norman Osborne and whatever. None of them worked out. So, the next thing I tried was like, what about this forgot my password link? Click on forgot my password, and it says to log in, we will send a code to your phone number. Dot, 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 three, eight. So, we had the final two numbers to whoever sent this email's phone number, or at least what they registered in, uh, you know, with, with them, uh, with Google. But, um, you know, and, and that might seem, okay, it's only the final two numbers, but if you think about it, there's a hundred different potential numbers from zero, zero to nine, nine that can be entered. So if someone has the same number, then it's a 1% chance that that would, would have been true. Um, although I don't know, do they give out zero, zero numbers? I'm sure they must. Yeah. So, um, either way, if they didn't, it would still be a, like, you know, whatever, 2% chance or whatever that, that we got it. So, um, I think, I think we can say how the result uh, worked out, which is we got an immediate hit because I had been thinking, uh, you know, for various reasons that it was a certain person and that person's phone number matched identically to the three, eight that were at the end of this code. And so at this point, Andy and I were thinking, Oh my God, we, we found Norman. This, this has to be it. So then we were like, okay, if we assume that this is Norman, what other hard facts do we have to go by that we could use to like double confirm this? And Andy had a great idea. Right. Cause this isn't going to, this isn't going to quite, uh, convince a jury beyond a reasonable doubt. So we needed one more piece of evidence. Um, so my next idea was the clue that it had always bothered me the most was the birthday video. There was some stranger in that video that Dan had never met before. I had never met before. Apparently nobody that Dan had asked knew who it was. I thought, well, if we have a very clear suspect, how does this person know the mystery birthday guest? And so uh, Dan told me the suspect's name. I went to their Facebook. They had just under 300 Facebook friends. And I started command clicking and opening tabs on the picture of all of this guy's friends who looked even remotely like the guy in the video. And uh, went through about 20 of them before I found a guy named Oliver. Yes, we found an Oliver. And Oliver is a dead match for the guy in the birthday video. And Oliver is an acapella singer. And he is a rower. He's on like a rowing team. But regardless, he doesn't live in Anchorage, Alaska. <laughs> he lives in Austin, Texas. Where our suspect uh, is, and now we're really getting close to saying it, but uh, we found the guy. And to me, this was the moment that we for sure locked in on who it was. Yeah, because there's no chance that any of your other top suspects, I don't know how many of your, your top suspects you considered could still be it. There's no way I know this guy 
there's no way uh, Brian knows this guy if Brian's still a top suspect. I don't know. No, I mean, really, this, the top suspect uh, is Norman Osborne and was before we knew he was Norman Osborne, he was my top suspect. The one detail that I just couldn't get out of my head was that word speak. You know, at the end of the puzzle riddle. How did Norman know that we were going to be able to speak? It seemed vaguely threatening, and kind of like an infringement on my personal space. Unless it was already planned that I would be visiting this Norman person. And that's what cracked it, and what Andy was able to help me confirm. In fact, I was actually about to go visit a friend, who was a part of the birthday video messages, who was a major suspect that we'd interviewed on the show, who was familiar with the Steve Ditko Spider-Man comics, and whose sense of humor would drive him to do something like this. That trip to visit a friend is the very trip that I'm now on, specifically to see this person after he begged me for months to travel to Austin, Texas to visit him. That's not to mention that I received a Green Goblin plush email to me, remember that? From Texas. So now we had the phone number, the person from the birthday video, a reason for Norman returning from nowhere, a way that I would be speaking to Norman, a tie-in to the Green Goblin plushie, Norman Osborn could only be one person. I'm uh, Parker Rouse. I was Dan's student at Severin School in Maryland. And then uh, we've just maintained a friendship over the years. And, you know, we just stay in touch and talk about movies. Norman Osborn is Parker Rouse. He lied to us on annual episode two and was waiting for the perfect moment to pull off his mask. That moment was to be when Amy and I came to visit him. But I'm going to beat him to the punch in just a few minutes. So, of course, as we're discussing this and as we're digging up pictures and videos of Oliver, um, who calls on the phone while we are FaceTiming but Parker? Yeah, and I imagine he must have gotten an email or something that someone was trying to get into his email account, which would be us. He must have gotten the verification code. So I put the phone on speaker, and in comes Amy, and uh, Andy's on the other line, and Parker's there asking about our Texas trip and our plans. Huh, that's not suspicious at all. Um, And it was hilarious. We're talking to him about it, and Amy says, he says, well, do you guys want to do anything while you're here? And Amy, thinking of Oliver and his rowing, says, well, we'd love to go rowing on the river. And Parker says, well, I know a guy. And then Amy almost lets the thing slip. And I, I wonder at this point if Parker knows that we know. Um, because Amy said, well, what's his name? Which is not something you would ask normally. Um, but uh, he kind of changed the conversation very quickly. He, he um, says he's just a guy I know. He's just a guy he knows. And, um, you know, Parker has all these things he wants to show me in Austin. He wants to take me to a comic book store. And I have to imagine whoever is running that comic book store is the guy that's feeding Parker Spider-Man knowledge. Uh, So, like, all the pieces are starting to come together during this conversation, even if we didn't already know it. And then Parker says to come to to Austin with an open mind and and prepare to be surprised. And it's like, well, of course. With a good attitude. Yeah, with a good attitude, right? And so I ended the conversation, surprise, it's kind of like gotcha. 
which he didn't pick up on because he's not a Spider-Man comics reader. Okay, it's Parker. We know it's Parker. Uh, Parker is Norman Osborn. We got him. And that's the end of the story, I, I guess, at this point. So, Parker, there was a moment, if I can speak to you directly... There was a little while where you were sort of putting my relationship with, with Dan and uh, Amy in jeopardy, but I feel like this experience has only brought us closer because we got you. Later that day, Parker began texting me about a free place to stay while we're in Austin, specifically his girlfriend's Airbnb. And while I'm extremely gracious for their generosity, I'm expecting to walk into a trap of some sort or some kind of dramatic reveal, but I have plans of my own. There you have it. Parker Rouse is Norman Osborn, and I'm headed to confront him about it. The minute this episode was published, I got out of the car and made a beeline for Parker's home. It's still playing out, so wish me luck. I've got a goblin to unmask. Oh my god. <laughs> oh my god! That son of a bitch. Annual is written and produced by Dan Gavostin, with editing by Rick Coast. Fact-checking and healthy anxieties provided by Amy Gavostin. Special thanks to the entire staff of This American Life and my husband, Mark Ginocchio. Narration provided by me, Erin Ginocchio. Head on over to AmazingSpiderTalk.com to follow all the updates. You can email us at AmazingSpiderTalk at gmail.com If you have any thoughts on the series or wish to admit your guilt, Parker Rouse. Annual is a production of Amazing Spider Talk. Next time on Annual, it all comes to an end. Be sure to tune in and hear the dramatic conclusion to the Norman Osborn saga.